Father, we just thank you. Last night as I was driving and trying to figure out, go over my, my stuff and try to finalize it, rough day yesterday. Typically, I don't have any idea how I'm going to open until that time comes. And last night as I was driving, God just began to pour out and it just continued this morning as I was in the back listening to a worship song. But I feel like last night he just wanted me to tell everybody that it's time that we move from being in a position of slaves, being in a position of servants, being in a position of a title, being in a position of not worthy, being in whatever position has been deemed over you. That we are to move from that into a position of being sons and daughters. He has called you sons and daughters, not slaves, not servants. You are His kids. You are priests in a royal priesthood. You are kings and queens in the heavenly kingdom. So we have to move from a position of earthly things and being slaves and being servants and being positionally tied to a job or to a paycheck. We have to be positioned as sons and daughters. There's no more. Because when we're in the proper position of sons and daughters, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter what position your boss puts on you. It doesn't matter what position your marriage puts on you. Well, you don't know my position. You don't know where I've been. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you've had a divorce, if you're going through a divorce, if you were drunk last night, if you were high last night, if you were looking at things last night that you shouldn't have been. I don't care. And he doesn't either. He wants you to position yourselves as sons and daughters above anything. Sons and daughters above everything else. And if your job's in the way of you being a son or a daughter, it might be time for a new position. If the lifestyle that you're living is removing you from being positioned as a son or a daughter, it might be time for a change of position of lifestyle. It might be time if you're not positioned and you're going into marriage and you're not doing things right and you're wondering why you can't get along. You might be living together before Nicole and I did that and we fought over toilet paper being backwards. If you're in the wrong position and nothing is right but you know for a fact that God has called you to be with that person, position yourself as sons and daughters and step out of that worldly position. As I was listening in the back, there's a song that it just says, take me back, take me back to my first love. When loving was easy, trusting was simple. But then he goes on to finish, and at the end, and I feel that this resonates right now as we move from being in earthly positions and we move ourselves positionally from where we are to where we're going to be. Within an hour, your position will change. It could change right now if you let it. But by the time we're done here, our positions will be different. But this isn't the end. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. You don't have to beg. The song says you don't have to beg him for it. Just ask. He is willing. Just ask. And he is willing. He wants you to move to a position of a son or a daughter. He wants you to move out of being a slave to this world. 
being a slave to your job, being a slave to addiction. He wants to position you as sons and daughters. Don't beg him. We don't have to. We don't have to beg to change positions. Just ask him for it. He's willing. He's ready. And he wants to give that to you. That's a gift that he's given you. So easy to take positions of the world and we forget where we're supposed to be. We forget how we're supposed to walk. Not walking as a son and walking as an orphan or walking as a slave is completely different. Because when I take that mentality, I have to beg him. God, I'm not worthy to be here. I'm not worthy to come to you with the needs for my family. I'm not worthy to come to you to provide for my family. Positionally, you may be out of a job. But if you position yourself as sons and daughters, you're faithful. He's not going to be unfaithful. He's not going to leave you. But if our position's wrong, sometimes that's what's preventing us from what he wants to do. Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus this morning. Father, that positions are changing right now. Father, that there's not condemnation, but there's conviction, Father. That if we're living in a position of this world, Father, whatever it may be, that this morning, that right now, you start working on every single one of us, Father, if we're in person, if we're listening online, if we don't hear this message for months, Father, that it is timely that you help us change our position. Father, I just pray for hearts and minds of people, Father, that if they're in one of those categories, Father, that they don't take on a position of shame. They don't take on a position of guilt. They don't take on a position of not being good enough. But Father, that they can take on the position of love. They can take on the position that you always provide. They can take on the position of sons and daughters above all else. Father, I just thank you for your sons and daughters this morning. The ones that are here, the ones that are across the United States, Father, wherever they may be listening, wherever they may hear this word that they position themselves first as sons or daughters. Father, I just thank you for that. And I just ask that you come forth. Holy Spirit, I just ask for more of you. Your presence is in here this morning. And if you can't feel it, that's not because you're not here. That's because we're out of position Holy Spirit just come just have your way have freedom in this place have freedom in every person in here I just thank you for what you're going to do this morning I thank you for the freedom that you're going to bring this morning and Father the change of position whether it be physically whether it be emotionally or whether it be spiritually that come forth because of your word this morning I just thank you for that and just give you all honor, glory and praise for everything you do in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Go ahead and turn around and tell somebody hello and have a seat. You got you ladies did awesome. I almost said you guys and it's all ladies. Like, thank you. Man, that's good. Freedom in worship. Like when we just when our worship team just takes off and they just do what God tells them to is incredible. Um man, I'm crying. Can't see. My glasses are actually clean this time. Um, I want to welcome Facebook and everybody else that's 
It's viewing electronically. It's awesome. You might be on the beach. You might be in your living room. You might be wishing you were on a beach while you're in your living room. Um, that's, that's okay. But we just want to welcome you guys. Thank you guys. We count you guys as family. And I know I'm thankful for technology. Uh, there's times where I don't like technology, but I'm thankful that our family can join us from all over. Uh, they can be safe, you know, if they, they feel that they can't be in person or whatever that looks like. We just welcome you guys and thank you. And we're going we're gonna to get started. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Josh Schmidt. My wife and I, uh, Nicole, get the awesome privilege of leading our junior high and high school ministries here at the church. And it's, it's a blessing. It was, that was, I think, one of the hardest parts for me during the quarantine. Um, I missed our kids. And, and they may not have missed me as much as I missed them. And I joked with them that way. But I stinking missed our kids, and I claim them as ours because you get to raise them and I just get to walk alongside you. But they're really yours, and I appreciate you guys for trusting us with them and, and letting us get to spend time with them. Technology was good. We got to do Zoom calls with them, um, but it's not the same. I'm, I'm a people person. I love people. I love physical interactions, so not being able to hug our high school kids when they came back uh, I was a little heartbroken, but we, we make it work. We do... Uh, elbow bumps, I almost call them weenus bumps, but then everybody laughs and gets immature and we'll just call them elbow bumps. So it's, it's tough, but we're, we're moving along. It's great. Um, this weekend, actually, we were supposed to be in Texas and I'll touch on that here in a little bit, but it got canceled because of everything. But God is so faithful and your kids, I just want to touch on this real quick, that there is a fire in your kids. Whether it's in the back, and I've, I've been back there when Pastor Greg's out of town and we get to cover for him, there's a fire in your kids from newborn up through high school. And when you, well, how do you know that? They don't act like that at home. I promise you there's a fire in your kids, and it's not fire like disrespect and dishonor. There's a fire for God in every single one of your kids. And we've seen that. We've watched some of our high school kids be put on the spot and pray for people. I've had our high school kids literally bring fire down in the back room when I've asked them to pray. Uh, our junior high kids are the same way. We'll, we'll just at times, you know, hey, write down what God's asking you to write down and find out who that's for. And we'll just randomly give people words or put them on people's cars. And, and I feel that they hear from God all the time. And there's not a, a junior Holy Spirit, and we don't play like there is one. But your kids are on fire, so don't extinguish that, I guess is, is what I'm getting. But... Let's get started today. So we're going to start in Luke 738. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. It says, Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. So today, we're going to talk about something I typically give a title, and sometimes it's flashy, sometimes it's not. But today, the title is going to be more posed in the form of a question. And it was interesting that God gave me what he gave me last night and this morning. My balance is apparently off a little bit. Um, what he gave me last night and this morning ties in positionally. And so the question that I want to pose today that I'm going to use as the title of my message is what is your position? And so some of you may know, and I'm going to give a little bit of history. Uh, Nicole and I have been serving under Pastor Greg and Tracy. They're way in the back. That's different. They're never in the back. Um, but they, we've, we've been serving under Pastor Greg and Tracy for like 10 years. And it's awesome. Like it's been a ride. But it was interesting because when I was coming to church, I just wanted to get connected. 
But I was very specific in the way that I felt that I needed to be connected. I know the impact that people had on my life when I was in high school. I look back to some of the mentors that I had in high school, some of the people that poured into my life in high school, and that's where I wanted to be connected. I knew the importance of that time frame in my life. And so I I talked to Pastor Greg. I filled out the paperwork that I needed, and I talked to Pastor Greg, and he said, why don't you come and just take a look? You know, it's our high, high school and college ministry at the time. He said, let's take a look and see if it's something you feel connected to and if it's something that you still want to do. And at this point, I didn't care really if it was washing toilets. I didn't care if it was scrubbing floors. I knew I needed to be connected and wanted to serve, but my heart was for the kids. I didn't care if I needed to come and say hi to the kids and then stay late and clean the toilets. I just wanted to be able to connect with our high school kids. So I came and right away I talked to Pastor Greg after and he's like, well, we can wait a few weeks if we need to. I said, no, I said, this is where I need to be. And so we, we went through a class, Nicole and I, and we started serving. But it's interesting. I didn't start serving as a communicator for our high school and college kids at the time. I didn't start serving even really on, in, in an, an important role on our leadership team. I started serving in a position that was given to me to stand at the front door. And I stood at the front door because some of our high school kids at the time liked to fight. And so my job was to make sure that they weren't fighting in the parking lot. They'd fight each other. They'd fight anybody. And then it was also to make sure that they made it safe into the building. And then afterwards, they would make it safe to their vehicles after. Because it was dark a lot of times when we ended because we'd do it during the week. And so that was the position that was given to me. I didn't care. I wasn't in that position to seek another position. I wasn't in that position to try to advance myself. I wasn't in that position to take Pastor Greg's job as a communicator. None of that was on my mind, and it really wasn't even a concern. So years of being faithful, I think, Pastor Greg, what was it, like three years of standing at the door. And there was times where I'm like, can I clean the toilets? Like, can I do something different? And I didn't care what it was, but I never asked. And we were just faithful to serve in the position that we were entrusted to. So we just kept serving. We just stayed positionally connected. We just continued to grow in a position of honor and leadership. And then there became a point where Pastor Greg saw something. And it was through an outside service. I'd been asked to to communicate at a Bible camp. And Pastor Greg and Pastor Darren both saw something that I never saw. And they said, we think there's a different position that you need to start working for, that you need to start developing for, that you need to start growing for. And when they talk like that, it makes me freak out a little bit, okay? I was good with the door. I wasn't seeking anything else. Well, Pastor Greg at the time worked for the county, so he'd plow snow. And we'd always joke with him because even when it was 80 degrees, we thought Pastor Greg was missing church to plow snow. Um, But he he asked, he said, "I, I feel like we're to start growing you, and I want you to start giving some messages here and there. And again, it wasn't to take his job, it wasn't to, but just to have somebody that he could lean on. If he did get called out, he could have somebody that was prepared. So because of our honor and the position that we had, not wanting to step out of that, Pastor Greg promoted us into a position where at times he would use me to communicate to our high school and college kids. I freaked out. I'm like, no, this isn't what I signed up for. Can I go back to the door? And it's funny how that happens when we stay in the position that God's given us, but then he moves us into a different position. A lot of times it's out of our comfort zone and we want to go back. So 
I start communicating a little bit. Pastor Darren came to another Bible camp and heard me. And then at my brother's funeral, Pastor Darren, after my brother's funeral, Pastor Darren walks by and he looks at me and he said, my boy, you can communicate. We need to develop it. Again, just sitting in the position that I was entrusted to, we grew, I would say, to one of, one of Greg's head leads we could fill in. We had access if he was out of town to, to kind of run things because that's where he had trusted us. That's where our position had become. So as Pastor Darren called that out, we started working on some things and started continuing to just sit in the position. Because a lot of times we hear of a new position that somebody sees in us and we abandon the current position that we're in. And it's interesting because even David, and we'll touch on that a little bit, but even David, when he was asked to go give his brothers food, he found somebody to cover his position. And so we've always been faithful to stay in our position. There's been times where there's been correction and say, you need to focus on the position that you're in because I get passionate about other things. And it's been out of love and it's been right and it's been correction every time to bring me back to the position that I'm set to be in. So we've, we've developed that. And then in 2000, the end of 2015, Pastor Greg and Tracy looked at Nicole and I. They caught us in the hall. And just real quick, because it's like crossing paths. And they're like, oh, hey, uh, we have to get dinner with you guys and Pastor Darren and Lynette. And then they left. So again, I used to always think that I got in trouble a lot. And I always thought it was bad. Anytime they were like, we need to talk to you. I'm like, dear God, what did I do? Like the last six months, I was trying, like, what did I say? Who did I make mad? And it wasn't because we were in trouble. It was because positionally, we had developed trust. So they sat us down at lunch, and they asked us if we would take over our junior high ministry starting January of 2016. And it was because we were faithful in the positions that we were given. So we were diligent in that. We, we you know, cap, um, cast new vision. We developed a team to serve with us. But then we started seeing a problem, and it was mid-year of, of 2017, and I went to Pastor Greg and Pastor Darren, and I said, there's a need that we're not meeting, because at this time, we didn't have a high school and college ministry anymore. And they said, what's your thoughts? I said, we have kids that are coming out of junior high that have nowhere to go. They have nowhere to go except in big church, and I don't know if some of them are ready. That's, that's a big jump. And so then because we were honorable in the position that we had been given, they entrusted us again to recreate a high school ministry that we launched at the beginning of 2018. Being faithful in your position will bring favor of God and favor of man on your life to the point where it develops such a relationship and such a passion because you've been faithful in the position that you've been given that you can come up with a crazy idea like, we're going to take our high school kids to a different state to a conference and because we've stayed submitted in position they were okay with it so being in position is something that's very important but when we step out of position we we don't lose the favor but it's hard to be connected and so positioning ourselves is important but allowing God to position us and allowing other people to position you for something that you've maybe not seen in yourself is the key but the most important part is that you don't abandon your position to go take something else. I've watched people leave this church because they got a word from God and they thought that that position was more important than submitting to the position that they were in. I've watched people quit serving because they had a position, but
but they thought that a different position was more valuable. And they stepped out. And then it's interesting because I was putting this together and this, this was one of the toughest messages that I've, I've personally put together. And it really didn't even come until Thursday night or Friday night. But then as I'm putting it together, my wife ends up with a migraine yesterday and she's been in bed for two days. So I'm talking on position. I'm talking about staying in the position that God's called me to stay. But then yesterday, I didn't get to spend much time with my message. This morning, she woke up, and she's still sick. So the enemy is going to do anything he can to try to draw you out of position. He tried this morning because for me, my position should be taking care of my wife and my boy. That's where we're called. But to be a son first, then my wife and my boy. So I called my mother-in-law. I said, hey, I, I have to go. She said, I'm on my way. Forge, a few years ago, the same thing happened. We were putting on our men's conference. I had to go, and Nicole got a migraine so stinking bad that we almost had to take her to the hospital. I said, God, what do I do? I said, you've called me to this position. The enemy will do everything he can and use anything he can to try to draw you out of position. If I would have listened yesterday or this morning or Friday... And I would have texted Pastor Darren or Pastor Greg or Pastor Mark and said, guys, i got to stay home. The enemy would have removed me from position and been successful. So some of you are in positions and you're getting a wham kicked out of you because he's trying to remove you from the position that you're supposed to be in. So I want you to stay true to the position that, you in, that you're in. What is your position and it's interesting because as I was putting this together, what is our position? What's it supposed to be? As, as Christians, as Christ followers, what does that look like? So I was trying to figure it out because I'm like, if I think that way, there's maybe people that have never stepped foot in church that are listening for the first time because they're looking for hope, never been around a church. Well, what do you mean we have to be in position? What does that look like? Am I in the right position? Some of you are sitting here thinking of the position you're in and wondering if it's the right one. So we're not sure what position is, and if we don't know what it is, it's hard to be in the proper one. So you may ask, what is our, our position supposed to be? If you go to Ephesians 2, we're going to read 7 through 10 in the message. It says, now God has us where he wants us. With all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus, saving is all his idea and all his work. All we must do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. He's called us to be in him. Our position, the position that we should be in, is Christ in us, us in Christ. We're called to be one with him and one in him. The position that he's called us to be is in Christ, our identity is in Christ, our position is in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, sitting at the right hand of God in the seat of heaven. 
So if that's our position, why is heaven on earth so hard to obtain? And this, this really speaks to me because if that's my proper position and that's where I'm supposed to be, I know there's not migraines in heaven. Amen. So if my proper position is where I'm supposed to be, and that's heaven and sitting in heaven with Jesus, why does it surprise us when a miracle happens? Why does it surprise us when somebody gets healed? Why does it surprise us when someone's set free from addiction? If that's our position, it should be normal. That should be the way we live. That should be our position that we can walk up to somebody in a wheelchair and know positionally enough that I'm in heaven with Jesus. Get up. That should be our position. Our position should be in him, full of the Holy Spirit, sitting in heaven. When we are in Christ positionally, it says this. It says, I have taken upon myself his righteousness, my right standing with God by simply receiving and accepting it. So now I am right with God, not due to my works and deeds, but his. I accept again and declare I'm righteous. This is our position. Our position is to be in him and to be righteous. Not because of anything we can do. Not because of anything we can't do. There's some of you that have prayed for people to get up from the dead and they have it, and you're carrying a weight. I've been there. But that's, our position is to remember that we're right standing with God because of what Jesus did. So I want everybody to repeat after me. Say, I have taken upon myself His righteousness by simply receiving and accepting it. So now I am right with God. Due to my, not due to my works and deeds, but His. I accept again and declare I'm righteous. That is our position. So if we don't know that, we're naturally going to be out of position. If we don't know that he's called us to be one with him, if we don't know that he's called us to be full of the Holy Spirit sitting at the right hand of God in heaven, and we don't know that our position because of him has made us righteous, then it's hard to know what your position is. It's hard to know what our position is supposed to be. So some of us know our position. Some of us, that's the first time we've heard what our position should be. But what's crazy, and I'm not, I'm not speaking specifically to this church because I get to be in the ditches with a lot of you and serve and see your hearts for Jesus and see your position for Jesus. It's funny, like I look over at C-Dub and he's holding his baby boy. That man, a year and a half ago, positionally did not care to talk to anybody. And now every time I go to the store with him, I don't know if it's going to be a five-minute store journey or a 55-minute store journey because C-Dub's going to find somebody to pray for. <laughs> C-Dub's going to find somebody to share his position with. Amen. But I feel like as a church, a big church, not just this one, we've lost our position. I feel like we have lost our position and as a congregation, a few weeks ago, we got to spend three weeks doing a 21-day fast as a church. Some of you did it, some of you didn't. That's not where I'm going with this. But to positionally align ourselves with the will of God. We did that for position. We did that to position ourselves to be in the Father's lap. 
We did that to position ourselves to have heaven on earth. We did that to position ourselves. But I feel like as a corporate church, not like I said, not specifically our church, but there's maybe some of us in here, I feel like we've lost our position. How are we responding? How are we reacting? There's times I step out of position as a son being in right standing with God with my wife. She's probably, if she's awake, she's giving a big old amen right there. There's times where I step out of position. We all can step out of position if we forget what that's supposed to be. We've lost our position because sometimes what we claim isn't necessarily what we're showing or we're acting. It isn't necessarily the same thing that we're out doing. It's interesting, as I was putting this together, I saw a Facebook post come across, and it was like an arrow in my heart. And there was words that I can't say in church that I wouldn't say outside of church, so I'm going to summarize the post. And this post said, some of you Christians... Christians need to turn in your Bibles because Christ didn't die for you to act this way. I feel like we've lost our position. If we go to Luke 7:36 through 50 in the Amplified, it says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house in the region of Galilee and reclined at the table. Now there was a woman in the city who was known as a sinner. This translation says sinner. Every other translation says prostitute. She was not welcome anywhere, especially in a Pharisee's house. That's, that's the pastor. That's the leader. She wasn't welcome. She wasn't invited. But sometimes being uninvited is the best thing. So she was known as a sinner when she found out that he, Jesus, was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. So what's interesting about an alabaster vial is there's no lid. It's kind of like a piggy brink. Once you break it, you can't put it back together. There's no way to close it. So it was full of perfume. She brought an alabaster vial of perfume and standing behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, she began wetting his feet with her tears, wiped them with the hair of her head, and respectfully kissed his feet as an act signifying both affection and submission, and anointed them with the perfume. Now when Simon the Pharisee, who had invited Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. He would know that a prostitute is touching him, that she she is a notorious sinner, an outcast, devoted to sin. So it's interesting because she didn't even feel worthy. She broke into the house that she wasn't invited to. But she didn't feel worthy. She didn't know her position as a daughter. She was behind him at his feet. She didn't even feel right to step before him. There might be some of y'all here today that because of things that have happened, you don't know that you can even address him from the front. You don't know that you can address him face to face. So you're behind him at his feet. Jesus answering said to the Pharisee, Simon, I have something to say to you. 
And he replied, Teacher, say it. A certain money lender had two debtors. One had 500 dinari and the other 50. I'm going to use 50 bucks and 500 bucks because I understand that and I don't understand dinari. 50 bucks is, is a decent amount of money, but 500 is a lot more to be concerned about. Would you agree? When they had no means of repaying the debts, he freely forgave them both. So which one will love him more? Simon answered, the one I take it for whom he forgave more. Jesus said, you have decided correctly. So some of us owe 50 bucks and some of us owe 500 bucks, but because we only owe 50 bucks, our positions change to judgment. Our positions change to looking down our nose at somebody. Our positions changed to, well, if Jesus really knew that a prostitute was touching him, he wouldn't be for it. But what this shows is five is the number of grace. So if we're talking 50 bucks and 500 bucks, really you can't be set free from anything without his grace. So the one that he forgave more, Jesus said to him, you have decided correctly. Then... Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? So that's interesting because now Jesus realized she was behind him. Jesus realized that she took a position behind him at his feet. She may not have known at that point she was a daughter. Jesus is addressing Simon face to face. But I don't know there's anywhere else where Simon's talking to Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, Simon. He's still talking to Simon, but he turned his back on him. He's changed his position to address the woman. He's talking to Simon. Simon, do you see this woman? Well, I see her. I see that she's a daughter. I don't care what she's done. I see that she's a daughter of mine at my feet. In a moment, in a moment, the position of Jesus brought value to the woman. She didn't understand that she had value. Our position should always bring value to the person we're talking to. And if it can't, you may want to check your position because it might be wrong. In turning, a simple thing. And Luke, Luke's writing this and he made it such a point to tell us that Jesus turned his back on Simon. If it wasn't a big deal, he wouldn't have said it. It doesn't change the context other than the fact that Jesus is now able to look at his daughter. Before she was behind him. She was still weeping over his feet and wiping them with her hair. But now he could see that it was his daughter. His position brought her value that Simon didn't see. He said to Simon, do you see this woman? Like he didn't see her. He called her what she was. I came into your house, but you failed to extend to me the usual courtesy shown to a guest. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, demonstrating her love. You gave me no welcoming kiss, but from the moment I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not even anoint my head with ordinary oil, but she has anointed my feet with a costly and rare perfume. Therefore, I say to you, because now he's looking at the girl. He's not talking to Simon anymore. He changes his position to address her face to face. 
He wants her to know that you can come to your dad face to face. You can come to me no matter that you're a prostitute, no matter that you've been out sinning, that you've been paid to sleep with everybody in this community. But now you can look me in the face as your dad. And I bring you value. And through the value that I see in you, he said, therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little the difference there is Simon had sinned but he didn't think his sins were as bad as the woman's he owed the $50 and she owed the 500 the moment that we start addressing people like that our position is wrong because we all screw up on a daily basis our goal is not to but the moment that we step into that well I only owe 50 bucks you may only owe 50 cents but you still owe something He said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table began saying among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith in me has saved you. Go in peace from the distress experienced because of sin. So in a moment, he not only brought her value, his position change brought her freedom. Some of you need a little bit of freedom today. Some of us need a little bit of freedom today. But it's interesting because he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. But really, maybe it's church. I have something to say to you. Church, I have something to say to you. I have something to say to you. And instead of taking the position of the woman... Being willing to sit behind Jesus at his feet, we take the position of Simon. Yeah, I invited him. Why are you here? He's my God. You can't have him. He only does miracles through me. I can't, I can't pray with you to receive healing hands. He only anoints me. He only, you, you can only get prayer through me. Church, I have something to say to you. We think we know more than Jesus. How many of you, and by a show of hands, how many of you have ever questioned Jesus? We all, at that moment, thought we knew more than Jesus. Whether it be in timing, whether it be in provision, whether it be in whatever it is, at that moment, we all thought that we did, be- did Jesus better than he did. We all thought... That we were tighter with God than he was. We were out of position in that moment. Church, I have something to say to you. We should love much because we're forgiven much. Remember what he has forgiven you from. And use that as a measuring stick to how much you love him. Every single one of us at some point was in the world. We were of the world. We're out raising hell and causing all sorts of problems. Some of you, it may have been drugs and alcohol. Some of you, it may not have been. You may think that I've never done any of that. But have you ever dishonored your parents? Do you ever tell a secret when you said you weren't going to? 
If he's forgiven and we remember on a daily basis, I know what God's forgiven me of. I know. I've lived it. And a lot of times the enemy is going to try to remind you what God's forgiven you of. But when he forgave that of me, there's no reason I should love any less than that. I don't care if the person next to me has killed somebody. My measuring stick of love, should, I should know what he's forgiven me for. Sin, sin, right? It all brings blemish to him. He died for sin, whether it's still in 50 cents or whether it's still in someone's life. To use our forgiveness, the measure that we've been forgiven, as a measuring stick to show how much we love him. We've lost our position. In the story of David, I love David because there's so many different approaches to David. There's so many different stories that we hear about David. But in putting this together, it's interesting because David knew his position. David knew the position that he was called to. He was called to be a shepherd. His position almost cost him an invite to the party. But he didn't go running into the house and step out of position when he saw a caravan of people coming. David knew his position. Because he knew his position, he was sent for. Stay in your position. He was a position as a shepherd. He got invited to the party. They had to wait. Like, I don't know if some of y'all... But if you're hungry, you're ready to eat now. Like Elijah, like we, get, we sit down to eat and we'll be getting stuff ready. And he'll be like, thank you, Jesus, for our food. In Jesus' name, amen. And he wants to eat. <laughs> but we ha- he has to wait until we're there. But knowing our position, like those brothers weren't excited to wait. But David knew his position. And in his position, he learned humility. He was anointed king that day. Did David step out of position and go take the kingship? Nope. David went back to the field. David went back to tending his flock. David knew his position. In his position, David grew. David learned to worship. David learned to worship in the field where it was just him and God. He knew his position. And because of that position, he was sent for to torment what was tormenting his king. David stayed in his position. As David's out shepherding the flock and tending to his family's sheep, his position was to be a shepherd. But to be a shepherd, you have to protect. In protection, David learned how to use a sling and a stone to kill the bear, to kill the lion, to protect his flock, because of his position, he had what he needed to kill Goliath. He stayed in his position. If we stay in our position, God can use you in ways that you would never picture for yourself. Stay in your position. But David lost his position. I mean, come on, somebody. Like, you're telling me that it's not just us that loses our position? We hear about David all the time and how good of a king he was. David lost his position. 
And he lost his position because he decides instead of being a battle where he should be in the proper position with his men, some of you should be positionally with your brothers and sisters battling and you're up on a balcony fixing on having an affair. Some of you, some of us, need to stay in position. David lost his position and it about cost him everything. Because he stepped out of position, he had an affair with one of his men. I don't, there's a bunch of kids in here. I don't know if they had protection or not. She ended up pregnant. So now he brings Uriah home from war because David's out of position. So now he forces one of his men out of position, hoping that he would go sleep with his wife. He didn't even go home. So now David's stepping out of position. He's going to have to have someone murdered. He had Uriah put on the very front lines knowing that he would not return home. When we step out of position, I feel that we're giving a stronghold to the enemy. David lost his position. Eventually, David admits that he was wrong. Bathsheba and David lost that boy because he was out of position. He eventually admitted he was wrong, and on his deathbed, David looked at at Solomon, and positionally, his heart had changed back to the way it was, and he said, Solomon, my one word of advice, follow the ways of the Lord. Stay in position. But it's kind of refreshing to know that we're not the only ones that can lose our position, and there's times where we're going to lose our position and it's instant and it's gone. But sometimes we go down a path. We've lost our position and we're just hell bent to wreck as many things as we can. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's not. But if I've lost something, I would ask the question, how do we get our position back? How would we get our position back in right standing? How do we get our position back? How did David get his position back? I mean, it's interesting that David understood his position so much that when he could have killed King Saul, all he did was cut his robe off and show him, I'm in position, I know my position. But when you don't, had he lost his position before that, I think he might have killed King Saul. But then his kingship wouldn't have been nearly as effective. And it probably would have resulted in death before he took over. So how do we get our position back? The first thing we have to do, there's two things. The first thing we have to do is accept the position that Jesus took for us. On a tree, he took it for you and me. We have to accept the position that Jesus took. It all comes down to the blood of Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, and I don't care if you're black, if you're brown, if you're yellow, if you're blue, if you're green, Jesus died for every single one of us. He took this position for every single one of us. That's our first step. You have to accept the position that he took. The second thing is you have to make the choice to repent and turn away from the world and change the position of your heart. 
without ex- accepting the first, without accepting the position of Jesus, there is no repentance. It just becomes an apology with your mouth and nothing positionally with your heart. When we turn from the world in our ways, in our ways, we change our position as we turn to Jesus through repentance. But the thing is, is with repentance, is it's not just some big church word. It's not just a way to apologize. Without a change of position in your heart, it's just a change of position with your mouth. Some of the things that we can look at, and this is, this is in closing, some positions of Jesus that we need to be aware of. He had a position of compassion. Anybody that Jesus healed, he had compassion for. The woman that had an issue of blood, she touched his robe, and he had compassion on that woman, and she was healed. A position of love. He was love. There was nobody, nobody he didn't love. We need to be love. He had no option but to love. A position of humility. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. He did that to humble himself and show us what we needed to do. He was perfect. There was nothing to wash away. But he had a position of humility. I feel like this one's overlooked a lot of times, but Jesus had a position of sincerity. And man, I'm going to call out to you in this, but the shortest scripture in the Bible says he wept. So the next time that someone comes all over you and says, men can't cry, you can't cry, you can't be emotional, that's crap because if Jesus can do it and he set the example and I want to cry because of how good God's been to me, I want to share what God's done for me and I cry while I'm telling somebody, that's going to speak more volumes than any scripture you can quote. He had a position of serving, but it wasn't just when it was convenient. He washed the feet of his disciples, even the one that was going to betray him. There's a lot of us that can hold our position when it's somebody we kick it with. There's a lot of us that can hold our position when it's easy. Jesus had a position of serving even the person that was going to turn him in to get hung on a cross. He had a position of agony. As scripture tells us that we're going to suffer for Christ, but he suffered for us. He cried so hard in agony that he sweat his own blood. But the biggest position that Jesus took, the most important position for any of us, for anybody watching, anybody that listens to this, the most important position that Jesus ever took was a position of sacrifice. A position of sacrifice for every single one of us. He sacrificed everything. He, he knew what heaven was like. And I'm telling you, if I ever experience heaven, I don't know, I'm going to come back. That's why it better come to earth, because I don't know that I'm going to want to come back. He knew what heaven was like and took the position on earth so that we through his sacrifice could be positioned in heaven there's an eternal position that needs to change there's positions of our hearts that need to change there's physical positions that need to change 
There's emotional positions that need to change. There's spiritual positions that need to change. What is your position? Father, I just come to you, and I just thank you, Father, for a position of sacrifice. Father, that if there's anybody under the sound of my voice, whether they're in person, whether they're listening online, Father, whether they listen to this message six months from now, that they understand and make the choice, Father, that it doesn't have to be a certain prayer. It doesn't have to be jumping up and down. It doesn't have to be running around like they're on fire. But, Father, that they simply just acknowledge the position of sacrifice that you took for us. The only position that can bring us into right standing with you. The only position that can change our hearts. The only position that can change our destinies, our futures that you've written for us. The only position that really matters is the position of accepting your sacrifice. Father, I just, I just, Holy Spirit, just come into every living room, into every vehicle, into every avenue, into every headset, through every device. Just come and begin to allow them to see the position of sacrifice that you took. To allow them to accept and declare, I'm righteous because of your sacrifice. Father, just, just move that they would accept that and through that, that their hearts, their mouths, their actions can all change positionally to be in you and you in us, to be seated with you full of the Holy Spirit in heaven. Father, that it's just natural position for heaven to invade earth. We just thank you so much for showing us your positions, but Father, for sending your Son to show us the ultimate position of sacrifice for every single one of us. Doesn't matter what they did, what they haven't done. Doesn't matter where they are for every single one of us, that position of sacrifice. And we just thank you for that, Lord. We just give you all honor and glory for the lives that you're changing, the positions that you're changing. And we just celebrate you in that time. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.